I've built PCs, I've used Macs, I've done all the I've done Linux stuff. I was a system I was a network admin for a really long time, so I've used all the Windows and Linux and all that stuff. That's kind of like network admin-y stuff, but the iPad is the computer I always come back to. In my day job when I had that and I was the network admin, my iPad was my main computer, is what I sat down from. Now, I would remote control servers and other computers using apps like Jump Desktop and stuff like that to, to you know interact with Windows and Linux and things like that. But at the end of the day, the iPad is always the computer I grab. Welcome to Geared Up. I'm Andrew Edwards. I am John Rettinger. Geared Up is your weekly look at the world of tech and consumer electronics John, it's time. We've done it again. I don't know how we've topped ourselves week after week. After week. This show is going to be potentially controversial, informative. Correct. But most of all, interesting, thanks to the guest we've brought on today. He is a man who has epitomized, in my opinion what it means to be a user of the magical iPad. Magical iPad, huh? That's how Apple refers to it. Interesting, okay. (laughs) It is Chris Lawley. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I like the the phrase magical iPad. I might have to borrow that for some videos. (laughs) (laughs) When Apple first announced the iPad and they sent out the press releases, the word magical was in there several times. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. And even when they would write you like an email, our magical iPad is going to get, you know, this new feature. Like, why do you keep saying this? <laughs> I like the iPad, but why do you, the way, when you talk this way, it makes a good device feel like a meme rather than. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you're, it's almost like you're becoming a caricature of yourself. Come on, Steve. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I've kind of gotten to the point where I can just filter out the like the the PR language in apples and bar. It's like okay, I see these words, but I just don't read them anymore. So <laughs> magical stuff like that. I'm like, okay, it's great. You can keep putting that in there, but I'm just not even reading that part. <laughs> I mean, does does anybody read that part at this point? It's a nice skill. Yeah, I think there there might be a few people that's you know kind of believe the <laughs> the PR stuff, but you know filtering that out is important. I'd like to know how, like obviously some human beings write these things. Yeah, do they realize? Like, are they just oblivious and they're like, we're just gonna say all this stuff and they just think it's cool, or are they like, okay, this is corny, but it's marketing one hundred and one, and we're just leaning into it. I think it's marketing 101 and they're just like, hey, th- we need to hype our stuff. We need to absolutely believe that our, you know, iPad, iPhone, Mac, whatever is, is the best product in that category out there. And, you know, that's just PR 101, I guess, like you said. I'm going to throw this one back a little bit, but a couple of years ago, South Park ran an episode where some characters were smelling their own farts and thinking how delicious they smelled <laughs> and <laughs> wafting them upwards. And like, oh, it's perfect. It's so wonderful smelling. I think Apple <laughs> believes that everything they write smells like roses. <laughs> That's hilarious. Before we jump into some news, Chris, mm-hmm. tell the people who you are oh. and kind of inform them what you do and what your specialty is. 
Hi, I'm Christopher Lolly or Chris Lolly, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm now a full-time YouTuber as of seven, eight months ago, something like that. I basically talk about working from the iPad and productivity and automation stuff, but I do everything from the iPad. It's my main computer. I edit all my videos. I've edited podcasts, photos, all my creative workflow. And before I was a full-time YouTuber, I also had a job in IT and I was doing my IT job from my iPad as well. So we're going to find out if this man is honest or dishonest because those <laughs> phrases do not compute with a lot of people. I, I, have, I have questions. So as somebody who just recently became a full-time YouTuber, what do you tell people you do for a living? I lie most of the time and still say I'm in, I'm in IT because I, I'm, I hate saying like, oh, yeah, I'm a full-time YouTuber. Or if I'm feeling really a little promiscuous, I'll just be like, yeah, I'm one of those damn millennial YouTubers. And, you know, people usually will just laugh that off or something. But I rarely tell people I'm a YouTuber. Most of the time, I'll either say I'm still in IT or I do like photography or something like that. <laughs> John, what do you say? I used to say journalist for years when I had Techno Buffalo. Because that was just easier and it didn't really bring much follow up. And I'd be like, oh, I just report on tech. People then ask me like politics questions. So I'm like, I want to talk about politics. Yeah. Uh, but I can help I can help you with your phone. <laughs> so I, I still sometimes when I don't want to really talk about it, I'll just say journalist because it's just a lot easier. I think influencer makes a sound like entitled asshats. So I try I not to I phrase. Try, try not to use that word. Sometimes I'll say content creator, but mostly I'll just change the subject. <laughs> uh, Andrew, what do you what do you what do you tell people? I will usually say I make tech videos. I just okay. leave YouTube out. And it's because I also don't like the term influencer, but I absolutely hate the word YouTuber with a passion because I just think it doesn't encompass what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agree. Especially when we see so many people, not everybody, but so many people who consider themselves YouTubers spend a lot of time on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and TikTok. And no one's calling themselves a Facebooker or TikToker or Instagrammer. But I just think it's a limiting mindset subconsciously to yeah. associate yourself with one platform rather than I make content that goes on several, if you do. Yeah. But I digress. So, yeah, that's Chris. Chris, where, where can they find you if they want to see more of your content and see if you're a, a liar or not? <laughs> yeah, I'm on YouTube at Christopher Lolly. It's L-A-W-L-E-Y. Or you can go to my website. It's theuntitled.site, literally just spelt that way. And all links to all my stuff is there. I have a bunch of videos about working from the iPad, including a series I did late last year about my daily iPad workflow going through the different parts. And I could show you that I do work from my iPad there. <laughs> This Prove is going to be very interesting. Yes. So we're, we're going to get to the iPad later in the show. But first, we're going to start with some news. The first one, I don't know if you saw this, John. I know you saw Apple announce the MagSafe battery pack, a I new did. accessory that uses the MagSafe magnet in the iPhone 12 that attaches to the back of the phone to give you some extra power Correct. when you're on the go. Hey, Andrew, I saw the milliamp hours are really low. Why would Apple release something with such low milliamp hours? It's not going to charge my phone. Yes, that's it. Now, listen, this was stated. This is one of my problems. Again, I'm not going to I'm not going to try not to rant too much here. OK, <laughs> but I feel the three of us here included people look to us for information on consumer electronics. Right. So if people look to us for information on consumer electronics, it becomes our job, especially as people who do this full time. It is our literal job to get it right and to let people know correct information so they can make 
the purchasing decisions for themselves based on that information. So when the battery case was announced, so many creators were on Twitter hating on it because of the low milliamp hour count or seemingly low. 1460 I mean, was it is, the number. It, it, it is low. I mean, there's no, that's a low power count. It is. However, however, you can only compare milliamp hour versus milliamp hour if the voltage of the two products is the same. Now, can you, can you explain that? I can kind of explain it, but we may need to bring in an electrician next week to better clear it up. But basically, if you have, I'm just going to use random numbers here, a phone that is five volts okay. and a battery that is eight volts, okay, and they both have a milliamp hour number, you cannot say the 1000 milliamp hour is only half the power of the 2000 milliamp hour device because the voltage is not the same. If the voltage was the same, then you can do that. So basically, the battery is twice the voltage of a phone. In other words, the 1460 milliamp hour battery is basically going to provide twice the power, twice the watt hours of that 1460. So it'll charge, even though the milliamp hours is about half of an iPhone 12, it has the same capacity watt hours of an iPhone 12, if not just a little tiny bit more. So it's basically you're buying a full iPhone 12 battery that you can slap on the back of your phone. So it's not half, as many people were saying. It's equal, if not a little bit better. But you do lose some power and transfer when doing wireless charging. So even though it's a little bit more than double, you're not going to get double because it also uses power to transfer power. So all that being said, I never gave my opinion on this device either way because I didn't use it yet. But I did give an opinion that, hey, do the research first before you start telling people that something is worth it or not. You're telling people that this isn't worth it based on an incorrect understanding of what it is. All that being said, Apple announced this product. I haven't used it yet. It was supposed to come Friday and it didn't. FedEx in my area is not the most reliable. So I expect it'll come today at some point. Here's what it does. You wirelessly attach it to the back of your phone. It's a smart battery pack. With magnets. With magnets. So it only works on the iPhone 12 series to be clear. Correct. If you don't have a 12, it will not work for your phone. It charges at five watts. Now, this was something that confused me because I assumed it would charge the full 15 watts that MagSafe allows for. It does do that when it's plugged in. So if you're plugged into the wall, it'll become a 15 watt charger. And by the way, if your iPhone is plugged into the wall, the iPhone will charge the battery pack. So the iPhone is capable of becoming a wireless charger, has been capable this whole time, and it just, it just hasn't been until this product was released. And the reason you'd want to do, if you're like, why would you charge one versus the other? Well, if you're in your car and you need to like, if you want to use CarPlay, you can plug in your phone to CarPlay and then still charge the battery because now your phone is plugged in. So the battery will charge. The reason that I think, and this is not confirmed by anyone, that it's charging at five watts is this indicates to the phone that you're not plugged in. And when you're plugged in, your phone does things differently than when it's not plugged in. It uses more power. It starts to you know, process your photos more and does all this stuff because it says, I have battery power now. I don't have to worry about 
I have wall power now, rather. I don't have to worry about the battery. Andrew, I don't I don't buy that. I think you're once again making excuses for Apple. I'm just explaining. I know. I'm just I'm saying explaining. I, I, I think you're making excuses, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold it until you're done. Yes, please. When it's five watts. So basically, this is not a device that I think what I was thinking was if I'm out and about and my battery's getting low, now I have something I'd slap on the back of it to charge it back up. I don't think that's what Apple sees this as. Apple sees this as here is a battery that will lengthen my device life. And that I once I, I kind of slap it on and I leave it there. I was thinking it was more like the Mophie version, which you just put on when you need power, take it off when you're done. I think Apple sees it says you put it on, you leave it on and you're good because it's not going to tr- transfer power to your phone to charge up your battery. If you put it on there, it's going to use both of them simultaneously. But if your phone is if your phone is dead and you put it on, it will charge it. Yes, yes, it will charge it. But I'm saying I don't believe that that is the main point. It's similar to the smart battery case from, I think, a couple years ago, where when you put your phone, the iPhone 11, or iPhone 10 S and 10 into the smart battery case, let's say you put it on at 80 percent, it wouldn't start charging your phone back to 100. It would stay in a would basically start using both batteries at once and sipping from both batteries, depending on what you're doing to lengthen your total battery life rather than using one as a charger. It's less of a charger and more of an extender, if that makes sense. And I don't know if I want an extender. I don't know if I want to make my phone thicker when I'm on the go. John, your thoughts, sir. So you're saying Apple, I'm just making sure I understand, capped it at five watts because when the phone recognizes it's being plugged in physically via lightning, it does things differently, correct? It does things differently, and it also wears on your battery. So Apple, with all of their magic that they, they're free to use for the iPad, does not have the power with a first-party accessory to treat it differently and let it charge faster should the user want to? That's crazy talk, Andrew. Well, how would you're saying, like, optionally, like, uh, put yeah, the battery on and maybe have a button or something that says yeah, or, fast charge? Or, 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 or it, it recognizes that this is on the back. And people probably putting on because they want to charge. Why not charge faster than the incredibly inefficient Qi charging? And out of that million hours in wattage, uh, I believe it's 20, 25%. It's just lost to heat. Like just there's like lost power because Qi is an inefficient method of charging. Now efficient when it's plugged in, it doesn't really matter what you're, you know, yeah. what, what you're losing. But using it's a battery, just inefficient all around. Yeah, it's, it's inefficient all around. It, it's, uh, I think, of questionable utility. And the other question that I had, I don't know if anybody's answered yet. Is the other side of MagSafe, can I put like my MagSafe wallet on the back of it? And I think they've confirmed that the part that you connect to the phone does, you can charge other things with it. You can put the AirPods on it. I think that came out today. Yes. You could Correct. Uh, you charge it from it, which is, which is awesome. It does enable reverse wireless charging from the iPhone. The first time that we've seen that, which is pretty cool. Right. That's neat. I will say, I think Apple missed an opportunity to maybe sort of backdoor introduce USB-C charging. Maybe have this battery pack charged with USB Type-C. Just plug that in, attach to your phone, and you can charge your phone and your battery pack. I thought that would have been a really cool nod. Like, hey, we know you want it. We're not going to do it. But like, hey, this will work for you. I thought that would have been very cool. Now, having said all of that, $99. I've already ordered one (laughs) because I think it's handy to have. But as somebody who still kind of runs through battery juice, I think it'd be great to just throw that thing on the back and extend my battery life by, you know, probably about 25%. It's probably realistic, I think. Which, which phone do you use? Uh, so I'm using the Max, the Pro Max. Okay. 
But I still, by the end of the day, like it comes lets me know it's going to low power mode at 20%. So listen, I think it's great. It's another option. People can use it or not use it. But just the giving Apple a pass and be like, well, it's because of this reason. Apple can do a lot of things that they want to. I think they do a lot of things because they choose not to. I think this is one of those choose not to type things. It's attaching with magnets. It's not using the MagSafe charging speed like you get with the puck. It's just sort of attaching. It does use it. It does use it when you're plugged in. So it is real so, MagSafe. So when, when, you, when you're plugged in. Fair, fair enough. Yes. When you're plugged in. Not plugged in is, uh, is interesting, at least. Yes. Chris, your thoughts on this product? It's interesting. I I work at home, so I don't go out very often. So I'm not really running out of like battery life on my iPhone. I'll just charge it at my desk throughout the day, whatever. My biggest issue with it is it only comes in white. Like that's going to get dirty and gross. <laughs> like I, I'm not an electrician. I, I'm not going to, I can't do the the whole math to figure out how long this will last or will it charge up my, bat- <laughs> my phone all the way. But only white? Come on. Do we know if it's like soft plastic white or if it's like the old school macbook the white macbook plastic it looks white like soft soft plastic. it looks like it kind of looks like uh, the magic keyboard for the ipad don't tell me that yeah. don't say that yeah don't say so that. that's no, what that gets dirty yeah they get yeah they get really dirty really quickly <laughs> so i'm not super thrilled about that and plus i love my blue iphone so mm-hmm. you know give me a blue one i'd buy that that's true that's true yeah. the one saving grace here i mean kind of off off the whole tangent what's cool about this route it's not a saving grace usually when apple releases one of these cases or they were cases previously you knew i'm only going to be able to use this that's for a year and a half fair because they're going to release a new form factor now that it's magsafe it'll work on the next phone i mean as long as magsafe is a part of the iphone which i assume will be for many years to come you can just use this until it's no good anymore. You don't have to worry about they've changed how the shape of the iPhone or the size, and now I can't use my battery anymore. So that's nice. John, let's talk about your car situation because there have been some, <laughs> there have been some announcements lately from car manufacturers that may have thrown things off for you. Let's catch people up for a second, including Chris. There's been a surprising amount of interest in my immense first world problems. So let, let, let's tell people, okay, just if, if people don't know, give them the one minute synopsis <laughs> of what's going on. There's no way to say this out loud without sounding like an asshole. So I'm just going to say and, <laughs> and, 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 and recognize as I'm saying it that I recognize this is the most first world of first world problems. <laughs> I drive a Model 3, lease is up in December. I have three children. Now, Model 3 is not a good car for three kids that I regularly have to drive around. I would like to go electric. So I have pre-ordered almost all our refundable pre-orders pretty much every electric car that can fit three kids in the back and that was allegedly coming out in calendar year 2021 including a Cybertruck, which i doubt i would actually drive i have two model x's on order i've got a plaid and a regular i have a rivian r1t on order for a launch edition i have a rivian r1s non-launch edition and i have a lucid air all on pretty much ridiculous say it all out loud that is six. <laughs> that is uh, that is six. Now, the R1S would be for my wife, so we'd probably cancel that if she gets something else. But Rivian is supposed to deliver in June. Then it went to July. And as of last week, it's now gone into September. And September could very easily fall into October, November. Who knows? Well, Lucid, they just said sometime this year, and they'll probably ship like two cars in the end of that. Tesla right now says delivery in January or February for the Model X. What is up with that? I don't know. That's need, the weirdest one to me. I need to get a car this calendar year for, for tax purposes. Mm. So 
I got to get something. Even if it's something that maybe I just buy a used car and drive it for a few months, something else comes out. I have no idea. So that's my electric, my electric car, car saga. What do you want out of those vehicles? I go back and forth every day, man. I really do. I think it'd be really <laughs> fun to drive, to drive an R1T for like a year, two years, and then, you know, hopefully sell it and not have a huge depreciation on it, which probably wouldn't be the case. The idea of the Lucid Air sounds amazing. A 500 mile car. It has a performance of like in between a Plaid Model S and a long range Model S, but also a luxury car. I think the Model S is probably premium, but not luxury. I am, I should, I should say too that tomorrow I am actually filming a long range Model S. I have not seen one. A long range Model S. So okay. I'll, I'll have a lot to talk about. I think, you know, with the yoke steering wheel and all that kind of stuff. I've driven, I've driven a Model X, so I'm more like, well, that's probably the most practical option for my family. But I don't know, like turn signals on the wheel and the horn as a button, the yoke steering, <laughs> the yoke steering wheel, all seems like a lot of pills to swallow. Why are they forcing the yoke steering yeah. on us? I could even handle the yoke if I could just like honk the horn normally. Like if I'm in an emergency, I don't, I don't have to like look down, see where the button is, and then put my thumb there instead of like just smash the middle. Yeah. I mean, I've seen videos of people using this yoke steering wheel and like to make a turn they're doing like full revolutions of this thing. Like they're a captain on a, on a old school ship. It's funny you should mention that. We are going to test against that viral video tomorrow because I think that was staged. I don't think it's as bad as that video made it out to mm. be. Okay. <laughs> but we are going to, we're going to split screen it with that video and I'm going to tempt it. You know, the non-gear selector, the gear selector on the screen, everything about it is just weird. So I don't know. I think whatever ships first. For tax purposes, if it's over 6,000 pounds, that would be better. So the Model X, the Rivian, things like that. But I don't know, man. I'm just, I just need a car. Tesla's pretty, pretty much said because used car values are so high right now, I can turn my car in whenever I want. And they're like, they're happy to take it back. So now I'm just waiting for something else to drive. And that is my, my first world electric car saga story. That is, that is the update on what's happening. What about you? You were, last week we talked, you were going to order like nine different cars. You've got, you've got six Tesla sitting in your driveway. So, no, my thing is I've been watching every couple of days. I'll check basically due to the chip shortage. Like you just said, used car prices have skyrocketed because people can't make new cars. So I know someone who bought a used pickup truck last year. It was like a premium model, like in the, roughly sixty five thousand dollars. A year later, sold it back to the same dealership for ten thousand dollars more crazy. than they paid. That's crazy. More than they paid That's for it. Nuts. Yes. So I've been checking Tesla trade-ins daily. I have a Model Y and a Model Three, and the prices are definitely like ten thousand dollars more than they were several months ago, and they kind of fluctuate now throughout the week, up and down, but still trending up. The thing with the thing with Tesla is they don't have model years, right? They're just always updating stuff throughout just whenever they feel like. And so first I was going to trade it in because I feel like I can trade it in, get a good trade in price and just turn right back around and buy the same car, just the newer version. Like, why not take my 2018, get a 2021 for a $15,000 price difference or whatever? Like that's a, that's a, in a car world, that's a pretty inexpensive upgrade to go four years, you know, newer, but I feel like something's around the corner and I'm going to do this and then, Hey, here's our new batteries or, Hey, here's, we've redesigned something else in the vehicle. And it's like, no, I just, I just traded mine in. I just got this new one. But that's always the case with Tesla. Uh, right. 
So I'm like, should, nothing's happened in a little while. So should I wait to see what the next thing is and then jump? Or, You're uh, always going to be waiting, man. There's always the you roadster coming too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, do you have one of those pre-orders? No. Please say yes. No. <laughs> Come on. 50K. I'm not, I'm not even. Just a pre-order. Where I live, I'm not even allowed to have an electric car charger. So I'm stuck with gas. What? Yeah, I'm stuck with gas right now until I move. So for the next. That's annoying. Yeah, for the next couple of years, I'm stuck with gas. So whatever. You're not even allowed yep. to have a charger. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, listen, it, it is nice not have, I mean, I don't even know what it's like to go to a gas station unless I'm like stopping for a drink or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so freeing. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I digress. I haven't made a decision. I'm paralyzed by, it's like when people ask me, should I get a new MacBook Pro? And I'm like, the same thing as you like, they're always updating them. So just get, if you need it now, get mm-hmm. it now. And if you can wait, wait. But then when I have to take my own advice, <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> Very tough. (laughs) Let's move into iPad. The main event of this show, we have several topics on iPad to talk about. But the first one that I think is going to be most interesting, Chris, going back to what you said earlier, you are basically full-time on an iPad. And not the way that my my grandmother is also full-time on an iPad, just to be clear. My grandmother went from a PC to an iPad and she like she does all her emails, she does her web browsing, all her newspaper reading, all her book read. Like she is full time iPad video chatting, all her apps, but she's not using it in a what the average person will call a professional way. She is very much a casual user. She uses it daily, but it's, it's like casual personal use stuff. And the knock on the iPad for a lot of people has been you cannot use this as a professional. Or if you do, it will not be comfortable. It's going to be very uncomfortable. You're going to have to make a lot of you have to change sacrifices. You have to change what you do to suit the iPad instead of the iPad right. changing to right. suit you. Now, you are a video creator. You do it full time. And you do this all on an iPad. And it's very intriguing to me. So tell us about how this works and, and how you got here. Yeah. Okay. Let's start with how I got there. So I started my YouTube channel about four and a half years ago and like 10 videos into it, I found an app called LumaFusion. And LumaFusion is basically the best. There's some others, but it's definitely the best video editor on the iPad. It's it's without that app, I would not be able to be full-time on the iPad. Like that, so that part freaks me out and also excites me at the same time. Because if LumaFusion ever went away, I'd have to get a Mac for well. And this is the asterisk I should put on this. I do own a Mac mini. It is a file server. I never interact with it. And honestly, since I've gotten the new iPad Pro, the Thunderbolt port has basically allowed me to move away from that Mac mini completely because I was using it with like a bunch of drives plugged into it and using Thunderbolt on that. But with Thunderbolt on here, I don't need it anymore. So that out of the way, I I don't just don't touch it. In fact, I should probably sell it now before the M1X or M2 or whatever comes out so I can get the most amount of money from it. So few videos into my channel and my channel originated as just a place where I talked about apps. I just walked through, I talked about different apps, things you could do with them. And it's evolved from that as pretty much every person that does YouTube, their channel evolves from where you start. So the iPad Pro came out and I was really interested in it, got picked one up and I started- First one? Yeah, the very first one. Back all the way in 2016 or whenever that was, I started using it to answer email. 
started writing all my scripts on there, just kind of like general administration, like easy productivity stuff. Then about 10 videos into my channel, I found LumaFusion and it was definitely a compromise. I was a Premiere Pro editor at the time and there was a lot of features that I used in Premiere Pro that just aren't in LumaFusion and and still kind of aren't to this day, but I've gotten around them. But I wanted to start talking more and more about the iPad on my channel. I wanted to start talking about like, hey, I'm really enjoying it, using it for these tasks. Well, why don't I use it for everything? Like kind of a practice what you preach kind of a thing. Like, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to talk about working from the iPad, I should work from the iPad. And I struggled with it at first because like you guys were saying, you you have to make your workflow go around the iPad. It's not like it, it's it's kind of like going from a PC to a Mac or a Mac to a PC. Like there may be stuff that you're used to that's just not there and you kind of have to figure out what the alternatives are. So luckily like the Apple or the app ecosystem on the iPad is really great. Like the app ecosystem for Apple's platforms is fantastic compared to other platforms. So I was able to find apps like LumaFusion, like I already mentioned, Ferrite for recording and editing podcasts. Lightroom came around. Um, you know, there's just a whole bunch of stuff there that I was using to be able to get my work done. So as time went on, you know, I just kind of was adding more and more to my workflow and I was making more and more happen. But the big thing that kind of got me was iOS 9 back in the day. And for those that don't know, iOS 9 added multitasking, the original version of multitasking, picture in picture and keyboard shortcuts. Keyboard shortcuts and multitasking were the two big things that I kind of needed in order to be able to go full time on this device because now I can have two apps side by side. I can reference things. And that that just made my life a whole lot easier. That came before the iPad Pro 2, by the way. I'm mixing up the timelines now in my head because, you know, what is time anymore? It's all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that all came around and I just, you know, kept using it. And, the, you know, Apple kept updating multitasking and stuff like that. And they've just been bringing more and more to the platform. And, you know, if we fast forward to today, like it is a full-fledged computer. I, you know, I still get people that jump into my comment section on my videos and be like, oh, the iPad's not a computer because, you know, it, you can't run like some game or something on. And it's like, that's not really what defines a computer. Like that's, you know, a specific task isn't isn't the definition of a computer. A computer is can it compute data? And yeah, the iPad can compute data. And, you know, it's gotten to be to the point where there's stuff on here. Shortcuts used to be my prime example and workflow before that, but that's coming to the Mac now uh, with Monterey. But like stuff like automation and stuff like that, I just like doing it on the iPad. I know there's compromises to it, but I found a workflow that I'm really personally happy with. That's That's a fair answer. That is a fair answer. Sorry, that's a long answer. I ramble sometimes. No, no, it's good. I mean, that's, <laughs> now, that's why you're here. Now, if, if you didn't you know, talk about working from an iPad, do you think you would still be working from an iPad? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've talked on, on some of my videos that the iPad is my favorite computer I've ever used. I've built PCs. I've used Macs. I've done all the I've done Linux stuff. I was a system I was a network admin for a really long time. So I've used all the Windows and Linux and all that stuff. That's kind of like network admin -y stuff. But the iPad is the computer I always come back to. In my day job, when I had that and I was the network admin, my iPad was my main computer. It's what I sat down from. Now, I would remote control servers and other computers using apps like Jump Desktop and stuff like that to, to you know interact with Windows and Linux and things like that. But at the end of the day, the iPad is always the computer I grab. So when I watch your videos, especially the one you released, I think it was like two weeks ago, the 
you focus on pro apps. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was watching this video almost in awe. Like, there's an echo chamber, I think, for for our peers, at least, where we all have an idea of what pro means to us. And what pro means to us is where's Final Cut Pro? Where's Logic? If these things don't exist, then the iPad is not a pro device. And you were showing all these apps that obviously would work in other professional environments, not ours, that were very obviously not consumer apps. These are very obviously dedicated, specialized apps for professionals within various fields. And I want to see if you could talk about some of these. What, and actually, I'll I'll make my next point after you talk about this, but what are some of the apps on the iPad, available for the iPad, that does make it a great device for people who consider themselves pros or for lack for a better term for using for work rather than just for play. Yeah. One thing I left out of that video and I kind of kicked myself for, for leaving it out. is kind of defining what a pro app is. It's anything that, that to me, at least anything that that's a little heavy on CPU and GPU power that, that requires a little more than just, you know, it's not just a text editor, but there's stuff on the iPad. Like I, I mentioned, obviously already Luma fusion ferrite, Lightroom. Those are all great. But then you have stuff like Procreate, where there are people that are drawing stuff for Hollywood movies right on an iPad. And Procreate's going to be getting an update here in the future that you're going to be able to paint 3D objects right there with the Apple Pencil on your device. Like, that's just cool to me. And then speaking of 3D objects, there's an app called Nomad that I found during the research for this video. And I'm I'm terrible at using it because I'm not an artist at all. But Definitely fits the pro apps mold, but you can build 3D objects right in this app. And some of the stuff that they have on their website is super impressive. I can't make anything like it because I'm not an artist, but there's some really nice stuff in there. Then there's, you know, stuff like the Affinity apps, Affinity Designer and Affinity Photo, where these are full-fledged Photoshop apps and Illustrator apps, competitors, that I think do a better job than Photoshop and Illustrator on the iPad. Because Adobe just kind of... Other than Lightroom, I think Lightroom is Adobe's best app on the iPad, but Photoshop, Illustrator, Adobe Rush, all of those apps, I think are very much second class citizens to like their main app. And they they don't they just kind of linger. They don't get the feature updates that they should. The iPad is definitely powerful enough, especially with these latest iPads. Like it has the same chip in it that the Mac has now. So like no one can make an argument, oh, that they're not powerful enough, they're not fast enough. So there's no reason why not to bring those big apps there. But then there's also the the development side too. So developers, they write software. When I had my network admin job, I had to write some scripts and stuff like that. I did it in an app called Textastic. I know earlier I said text editors don't really count as a pro app, but this is a text editor that has support for a ton of syntax highlighting. Then you can pair it something with like working copy, which is a Git client. And you can, you know, sync all the stuff that you're working on back and forth. And it, it just makes for a really easy workflow. So pro apps for the iPad they exist even if Apple just, doesn't make them. Just not made by Apple. Yeah, well, and I would right. I would argue the one from Apple is coming. So Swift Playgrounds is getting an update where you're going to be able to write apps from start to finish, submit it to App Store Connect, and and publish it, make it available for sale right from the iPad. So I would say that is Apple's first true pro app, even though it doesn't have the Xcode name. Right. So now to make a distinction, we talked about pro apps. 
not iPad Pro, Pro Apps. Pro Apps. So this is something I've been working through in my head over the past, I think since our last episode or maybe the episode before, John, because during our conversation somewhere, something just clicked in my head. We're all, we've been wondering how is Apple going to differentiate the software on the iPad Pro to make it a pro device, quote unquote, right? And then it occurred to me, you look at the Mac Mini, Apple's cheapest Mac. You look at the Mac Pro, the most expensive Mac, they run the exact same software. They run the exact same operating system. They run the exact same apps. Just the the higher end Macs run them faster or more efficiently, or you can do more with them. And that it occurred to me that the iPad is the same thing. Yep. You can get an iPad mini, you can get an iPad Pro. It's not that the operating system is what makes it pro. It's that the pro is just nicer and faster, but all of them run the same stuff. Yeah. So that being said, for you, Chris, and I know you mentioned the Thunderbolt port, which was an important thing for you to make the iPad even more of a standalone device. But when you look at the iPad range, who is the iPad Pro buyer? If you can, if you can run all these apps on an iPad mini or Air, Who's the iPad Pro buyer? And you know, I would I would even break that up too, is who's the iPad Pro 12.9 inch for and who's the iPad Pro 11 inch for? I would say if, if you are somebody that wants to work primarily from the iPad, the iPad Pro 12.9 inch is going to be your go-to iPad because it's a bigger screen, you get better multitasking, so you get better layouts and apps. Obviously, you have the mini LED display, which is nice. I don't know if that would necessarily, I would buy the iPad 12.9 inch specifically for that. But just having a bigger layout when it comes to multitasking, also a full-size keyboard. So if I'm somebody that's jetting around the world on planes, traveling, answering emails all the time, whatever, I want to have a full-size keyboard. I've got big hands. Like I I had the 11-inch Magic Keyboard for a little while. I ended up giving it to somebody because it was so small. I just I couldn't type on it. It, it just didn't work. Just gave it yeah. away. Just, well, just here you go. I, it was another YouTuber friend of mine, and I was like, he he wanted to try <laughs> it out, and I was like, here, you you go. You go for it. Like I, It was way past the return date, so I was just like, you you have fun. Like it, it, They've helped Generous me. Generous man. Yeah, they've helped me out. It's it's It, it was whatever. It's not a big deal. And then I would say the 11-inch iPad Pro is for somebody that is interested in using the iPad more, maybe as a companion computer to their Mac. You know, maybe they're wanting to use Sidecar or something like that, but they are wanting to push those pro apps. Maybe it's something like Procreate or something where they're wanting to draw more on their iPad, but they want something a little more compact. And then I would say, like, once you kind of, you know, get down to the, hey, I just want to use this to read the news or watch movies or TV shows, that's where the iPad Air comes in. And that's a great device. Like, I don't want to ever undercut people that just use the iPad to read news or, you know, watch a show or play a game or something, because that's totally a valid use case. I mean, that's what most people do. You don't you don't need to be, you know, a video editor to own an iPad Pro. If you want an iPad Pro, get an iPad Pro. But you don't necessarily need an iPad Pro if you're trying to save some money. OK, you left out the entry level and iPad mini out of out of curiosity. Why? Why? Like, do you just consider those to be not as 
great because they don't have USB-C ports or I've uh, so the basic uh, the base iPad is great. I just gave one my old one to my grandma and she, you know she's using it now and she likes it. She <laughs> it, it makes it easier Good for with grandma. I I mean I had it was laying around in the closet. I bought it to review years ago and I was just like okay, it's doing nothing. So I gave it to her and she's using it now. But I think the base iPad needs some love. It's definitely aged, but for 329 that's not a bad deal if you want to give it to your grandma grandparents or some kids or something like that and then the ipad mini personally i'm just waiting for the redesign to when it looks a little closer to the ipad air and ipad pro when that is the case i will just give apple all my money here's my credit card number i don't <laughs> care just charge whatever you want i want that device but yeah the the home button ones and like uh, i forget what it's called but basically the screen and the display are kind of separated you can tell there's laminated like a, yeah that's it right laminated. there yeah not laminated yeah you can see the air gap like to me they're just like i i can't can't go from using an iPad Pro all day long to going and picking one of those up. Yeah. Like I just have a hard <laughs> time doing it. So I've kind of written those off in my head for right now. Okay. iPad OS 15. Let's talk about that for a minute. Coming out likely in September, I would assume. So just about two months away. What should people know about this? How does this change your workflow on the iPad? I think iPad OS 15 is a big deal. I know people in our circles are are people that do what we do weren't super excited about iPad OS 15, but there are some really killer features in here. Multitasking has been reworked. I think Apple's kind of finally getting it this time around. There's now a button at the top that allows you to tap it and put stuff into split view and slide over. It's it's really handy. Can I just say how how before you move on, that little feature of putting those three buttons up there changes it changes like the amount of fear and anxiety i had in ios 14 (laughs) when i wanted to attempt to go into split screen or slide over am i going to just delete something out of my dock am i going to like what is going to happen because i don't remember the gesture or how to prop how long to hold now you just tap a button like we're waiting for all these big features and this little thing i've used multitasking more in the past month than I have in the past two years. I don't know what they were thinking, but now it's finally obvious. Here's what it does. You tap the button, here's text that tells you what's gonna happen next. Yeah, no, I I think that is going to be a big, I did a video a few years ago about how iPad multitasking works. And I got quite a few comments from people saying they didn't even know slide over was a thing, which is the basically the (laughs) iPhone layout or the iPhone app, like hovering over the iPad uh, app. And it's it's confusing, I think in all fairness. It It is, is. but I think this new multitasking feature should help it. And then I think for the people that are kind of a little more, pro when it comes to using the iPad, there's now keyboard shortcuts for putting all this stuff in multitasking. So you can hit the globe control and go either left or right, and it'll shift whatever app you have open to the left or the right of the screen, and it'll let you pick another app to put it in split view. I think that is just an amazing feature for a lot of people that work from an iPad and have a keyboard attached a lot. So you can just quickly navigate. I don't know about you guys, but when I was going through school and stuff and had to do typing class, they basically said like, oh, never take your hand hands off the keyboards and stuff like that. Like we had, I think it was iMac G3s is what we had. And it was, you know, learn the keyboard shortcuts and stuff like that. And I just remember being bitter because my dad was a big Windows person. So I was a big Windows person at the time. <laughs> and uh, funny now, but uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this command key, or no, I think it was the Apple key then. It wasn't command key, right? It was Apple key or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Anyways, oh, yeah. yep. besides the point. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited for 
like system-wide keyboard shortcuts. So you can use the keyboard to navigate throughout the whole UI of the iPad now in iPad OS 15. And that's a big deal. I'd also say focus modes. Focus modes are kind of like the feature that was built for me. These allow you to set your device into specific modes. So like right now I have my iPad in meeting mode. So basically it shows a very specific home screen that I only want to see. And it turns off all the other home screens that I don't want. And then when you turn on these modes, you can have them trigger shortcuts. And shortcuts is the automation platform for Apple now. It's going to be on the Mac, but it's mostly been on the iPad and the iPhone before. So now when I trigger these modes, I can have them start time tracking shortcuts or turning on lights in my office. So like I have a mode for filming. And when I trigger that, all my lights for filming and they get set at the right brightness level and all that stuff. Just and I don't have to worry about it by hitting one button. It's super cool. I think it's going to be a really great feature. And I'm really excited for it for the focus. So do you tie that in with a shortcut? Like a shortcut will enable a focus and also control devices. A focus mode can enable a shortcut and a shortcut can enable a focus mode. So you could go either way. You could technically make an infinite loop out of that and cause a whole bunch of issues. (laughs) But uh, I I haven't. Make half the people on Earth disappear. (laughs) 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 No, that's that's cool because like usually like if I'm going to shoot. I'm going to start recording here in my house. I'll run a shortcut that will text my wife that I'm about to start recording and then turn my lights. But I'm still like, I'll be recording. And all of a sudden you hear my notifications in the background. I'm like, oh, I forgot to put it in do not disturb mode. So let me go over here. So you're saying I can now set like an I'm recording focus, which will do all those automations. And then when I leave that focus, it'll. I can leave a focus and also run an automation or yeah, no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. You can, okay. you can do it when it's on or off and then on or off. And then what's really cool in focus modes is you can specify who can get through. So you can set like a global do not disturb, but you can also say like, hey, I'm recording, but my wife knows I'm recording. But if she texts me, that's probably an emergency. So allow her through, but don't allow anyone else through. And then it's like, oh, if I'm recording, maybe I need a notification from this really specific app, but no other apps. So you can allow that one specific app or two or three specific apps through. So these focus modes, I think are going to be a big deal when it comes to kind of just like setting the right tone for your device. And they sync too. You can set them up to sync across all your devices. So unlike before, you had to run around and turn on do not disturb on everything. And then you'd always forget about that one device in the corner and it would go off when you're filming. It happened to me all the time. Now everything syncs. So you just do it on one device and it applies to everything. Can I request a video on this? I'm working on it already. <laughs> yeah, I need this. Uh, I, I talked about it a little bit. I did an iPad OS 15 overview video a little while ago. I talked about it in there. But yeah, I'm going to do a, a much more granular video that kind of goes into all the details on it. What I would like to see is... I don't know. I feel like a lot of times a new feature gets announced and I get the utility of it, but I have a hard time coming up with what may be obvious to others ways for me to use it. So like there's probably focus modes that I should be setting up that I don't even realize because I just I'm just so used to using my device how I use it today. So I'd love to see how not just an overview of focus, but how you as someone who works from home, how do you because I don't I don't go to a workplace and then come up like so I'd love to see how you use it to make your work life better. 
or work and personal life. Yeah, that, and that's one of the features. So one of the really cool features for people that don't work at home is it will trigger automatically based on time and location. So if you go to an office every single day, it will trigger when you get to that office. But for us that work at home, uh, I, I turn those features off. So like I'm just manually switching through them throughout the day. So like I have a work one, a personal one, a filming one, things like that. So like I'm just jumping between those. Okay. Let's go to iPadOS 16 Ooh. for a second. Question for both you guys. What What's something you want to see next year? What's something you'd hope Apple, and this is going to be an operating system. I know we all want to see Final Cut. I know that. <laughs> that John, was going to be the first thing I said. <laughs> uh, but, so not an app, but what is there something you'd like to see in the OS that's not there today? Are we talking just iOS or iPadOS? iPadOS in particular. But feel free to riff I mean, on either I mean, way. So this is, this is going to sound crazy, but bear with me. A weather app? It doesn't take you to the web. Um, I think I think would be would be really awesome. A calculator app I think would be pretty revolutionary. It could have numbers, and then you could maybe rotate it and get more features, like a scientific. I think would be really kind of cool to to have the ability to maybe move icons anywhere you want. You know, not be stuck in a grid. You know, maybe just have like a screen with like one icon in the bottom. I think now this I know this sounds like crazy, so just. <laughs> Like stick with stick with me. I think that would be really surprising, and I think answer a lot of questions for iPad users. Now, I don't know. Maybe it gives the users too much control. It'll answer questions. Yeah, and that's a lot of questions. Having, like, like, having like, a weather app. What What's the weather? Or why don't oh. I have a weather? Why don't I have a weather widget? Or is my iPad broken? Why did I click on the weather widget and took me to the AccuWeather.com, wherever it takes you to? Yep. I'm saying I think that would be really awesome for Apple to give people that level, like a granular level of control and power on their magical tablets. I, I think those things are actually coming. One of the things that, that kind of raised my eyebrow with iPadOS 15 was Quick Note in this little hovering window. I think in iPadOS 16, we're going to see a lot more of those hovering windows. So I could see a hovering window for weather, a hovering window for calculator, because if you've ever whoa, used a calculator whoa, whoa, app man. on a 12.9-inch iPad now. Pro, it looks ridiculous. So I could see that one of the things that I've always wanted is apps to be pinned to slide over instead of being opened up full screen if like nothing else is open. So you could pin a calculator app just in a slide over. So that way it doesn't look ridiculous ridiculous or you know a two-factor authentication app or a twitter client or something like that but something i've i really want to see and this is my new hill that i'm going to die on is time machine for the ipad there is no there is no good backup solution for the ipad right now this is something i am very vocal about right now the only way to back up your ipad is to icloud and that is just taking an image of your device so if you want to restore something you got to wipe your device and restore it from the iCloud backup. And oh, by the way, you have to hope it backed up because in order for it to automatically back up, it has to be off and plugged into power. Those two things I don't usually do at the same time because I use my iPad at my desk here and I plug it into my monitor and that's where it charges. So I don't usually just leave it on the charger at night. So I get that notification every two weeks. Oh, hey, by the way, your iPad hasn't been backed up in two weeks. And it's like, oh, cred. And I got to go back in there and like manually update it or manually back it up. So time machine on the iPad, that is the hill I'm dying on. I like that. That's a good yeah. answer. I mean, if you if you want to call it a pro device, or One, yep, doesn't even doesn't even matter if it's iPad. But I keep forgetting. I'm trying to re retrain my brain. Doesn't have to be just the iPad Pro. Let me 
time machine back up my iPad mini if I want to. Just add that to iPad OS. That's a good answer. Windowing for me. I want to see windowing. I want to see, and like, like you said, I think a quick note was kind of like a little preview. Like we have the floating picture in picture. We have the floating note. So we've, we've seen now that different apps can float above other things. Take it to the next level in iOS. Yeah. 16. I'd love to yeah. see it. Let's talk about some quick rumors, and then we'll get out of here. First, 8-inch iPad mini with uh, iPad Air form factor. Yes, please. I said this last week. John laughed at me. <laughs> I think, in my opinion, and I, I own all the iPads, and I know the iPad Pro is the top of the line strongest iPad, but I've always felt like the iPad mini is the true iPad. As far as comfortability in the hand, portability in a pocket, if you want an iPad that's truly like a Star Trek device, it's the iPad yep. mini. As far as, it, as far as the magic per square inch. The per capita per square inch magic magicness, it is the iPad mini. So I but same thing. If you want to use the Apple Pencil today, you have to carry it around yeah. separately and you have to plug it into the lightning port. Give it that form factor and I'm I'm all in. Chris, it sounds like you're the same. 100%. Like I've mentioned, I work from a 12.9 inch iPad Pro. That is my work computer. But trying to read a book on that or, you know, read tech sites or something like that, it's ridiculous. Like holding it in tablet mode, it's it's ridiculous. So right now I have an 11 inch iPad Pro that I kind of use that for. But even that is a little big for that. I would love an iPad mini in that form factor. Uh, whatever Apple you want to charge me, I don't care. It's fine. Just give me colors. Don't just do the space gray and silver. I'm tired of space gray and silver. That's fair. John, iPad mini, where you at? Do you care? I mean, I, I get why people like it. I, I'm of the school of like, if they release a 15 inch iPad, I'd be all over it. Oh yeah. Same like, here. <laughs> I, I, want, I, want, I want, I want the biggest, the biggest iPad possible. I don't know. I've got a pretty big phone. I don't see much really use for the iPad mini. I know I'm in the, the minority on that. People are clamoring for it. But I would imagine people who want an iPad mini, the same people that were clamoring for an iPhone mini and then didn't buy it. Um, <laughs> That's interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> like, oh, man, I love this exists for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, you may, so, yeah, I think Apple, they because they have a small iPhone already in SE. So do people want it small because of the price or do they want it small because of the screen size? And it looks like they want it small due to the price because the SE is not having problems selling. Well, the mini is. Okay, mini LED 11-inch iPad next year. iPad Pro, uh, mini LED 2022. Do we care about this? Eh, I don't. I mean, I have I have a 2018 11-inch iPad Pro. It's fine. The mini LED on the new one's great. I also saw a rumor about there's supposed to be OLED on the 12.9, so maybe I maybe that's going out hey, the door. Hey, you're skipping oh, ahead. Oh, you're skipping sorry, ahead. sorry, sorry, sorry. Never mind. Don't listen to me. <laughs> 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 no, no. So mini LED. So I think uh, Apple made a big deal of the mini LED display, right? And then we get these iPads in, and it turns out like you're really getting the full benefit when you're watching movies and tv but not really anywhere else so it almost feels like it's a feature that's better suited to a non-pro ipad that people would use for just entertainment purposes rather than working you're not getting the benefit unless you're in final cut which doesn't exist so (laughs) final um, cut confirmed for the ipad right here that's it (laughs) there you go there you go so bring it on 11 inch mini led last one oled OLED. I, now, you said this was for the 12.9. I thought it was for the Air, but I could be mistaken. Oh, maybe I misread. I Maybe I was maybe I was wrong. I was... OLED coming to some iPad at some point over the next year. 
do we does that matter does oled matter for an uh, ipad versus mini led i mean oled's technically better right i mean tech technically well which, what kind of oled would, would we would we be getting the tv oled where each one has its own pixel or would we be getting the phone oled which has the sub pixels which is not as good and reduces resolution i i would guess it would be closer to the tv one i mean if it's I apple so. because the mini led right now has all those individual leds like i don't think they would yes. go backwards on that and i don't think they would if this is going to the ipad air i don't think they would just put a, a crappy oled display in it if they're because if they're putting it in the 11 inch ipad pro they're going to have a te- they, they could put it in the 10.9 inch ipad air that just has thicker bezels like so i don't think they would develop two separate screens just for that because typically like you know the pro is the newest stuff and then everything trickles down from there john john oled ipad your face says you don't care i am such an ipad hypocrite like I love, I I, I mostly I mostly am tough on Apple to balance out Andrew your just massive apologetic nature and probably just because you and probably because you don't want you you don't want to piss off Apple PR because they still talk to you they do not talk to me but uh, in all honesty I use my iPad Pro every single day I really do when I travel it's the first thing I put in my bag for me it's a content creation device I've upgraded iPads every year for no apparent reason especially since especially since 2018 when I think we hit like peak iPad Pro. These are incremental upgrades. I think for me, the iPad story is more of a software story at this point than less of what's the technology on the screen. I mean, I don't know how many people are watching HDR content on their iPads all the time where they really wouldn't matter whether it's mini OLED or OLED or a really good LCD to keep the cost down. It's a software play for me. The reason I got to get kind of a blah look on my face, you talk about the screen is what, what's the screen running? What, what's the software that's behind it? That's what I care the most about. And that's why I kind of made my jokes about iPad OS. Because I want it to be great. And well, why even bother forking the OS and from iOS to iPadOS if there aren't going to be real changes or reasons for that change? And I was hopeful the first year with iPadOS, it makes sense. They're just building up to it. The second year, we're getting there. Third year, I'm like, where are the changes? Like, where are, where are the differences? And I don't think Apple is scared to cannibalize their own products. So I don't buy that answer of, well, they're they're trying to sell you Mac cares. I don't think Apple or any company has proven they do not care if they cannibalize their own products as long as you're buying something with an Apple logo on the back. So I have a hard time understanding why Apple is intentionally limiting on the software side. Right, I made jokes about weather apps and and calculator apps and that kind of stuff. But the power that's in these these tablets isn't new. Just because they're calling it the M1, it's still the last year's was based on an A-series chip, which is still essentially the same thing. Yeah, it's the the A14X. Yeah, yeah, they just, they just changed the name of it. These things are so powerful and so fast, and I just can't understand why Apple seems to intentionally be limiting what they can do. Could it be, and listen, John, I just ask questions here, okay? That's what I'm here to do. Could it be just as simple as pandemic, working from home, et cetera, that development slowed down and they just had to kind of work on what they could work on and they took the low-hanging fruit this year? I mean, sure, it certainly could be. But would that be a fair, if, if that was the answer, we don't know if it is or not, but if that was the answer, would you say, okay, I get that. I see what's happening. Or were you still like, they should be ashamed of themselves? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, listen, the pandemic impacted everybody. So like, I don't know, maybe that's a good reason. But I think if like next year comes around and God, I would get, there's like some more, there, maybe there's some windowing and the, the, the grids are still like ridiculous and there isn't sort of any more ability to the iPad, then I mean... Then I, I then Apple is clearly doing it on, on purpose and for a reason. I just I wish I knew what that reason was. 
I'm not willing. I'm not willing to grant them the like in their infinite wisdom, you know, type of saying. Like, I'm sure Apple knows what I want more than I want, type thing. So I'm just, I'm very, I'm very curious. One thing I would recommend before we get out of here that has made the iPad a totally different new experience for me is, unlike on the iPhone, on the iPad, the smallest widget takes up the same size as one app icon. So you can basically make your whole home screen all widgets, kind of like Windows Phone back in the day, and still have the same amount of apps on it. But you can also use the, the, the huge widgets as well. So my iPads are now all widgets, whether it's small ones, big ones, no more just single app icons, because you tap a widget, it takes you into the app anyway. And it totally changes how I use the iPad because the information that's presented to you right on the home screen is so much different than just static apps. Give that a shot. That, that's a, that's actually a very good idea. I never thought to do that. It, feel, it, it actually feels really that, good. That is, yeah. It's kind of like how a lot of people have wanted updating app icons for a long time because you know how the, like the Apple's calendar icon shows the actual date and that changes every single day and the clock, they, they've wanted that for third parties. It's kind of a way for third parties to kind of do that with widgets. Can we just admit how far ahead, surprisingly, Windows Phone was? <laughs> like, I mean, like, oh, for sure, it was right. It was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Like, it, they just didn't get the app support. I'm quite honestly, they were late to the party, and by the time they they got there, it was like they were paying developers. So the way app like. They were, here's money, Instagram, please put your app on Windows phone and keep it updated. Like, it was dire. And I think what Apple did with the App Store was phones, at least at that time, were all about the apps. What apps are there? It wasn't even about the the operating system. And they just couldn't get developers on board. But you're right, John, like Windows phone was so smooth and so good and it, it just couldn't it just couldn't compete. They, they waited too long. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's the show. Chris, thank you for taking the time to Claps be here with Chris. us, thank- to talk to us. Thank you for having me. It was it was a lot of fun. Look him up on YouTube. Christopher Lawley. He recently hit that 100K. He's at 104 today. You see, the, the plaque is back there. John and I can see it. But hey, congratulations on your there. success. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I, I love seeing how you've niched down. And if you want to be smarter, even if you don't own an iPad, you can learn just by watching how he uses them in sure. his videos. Thank you. So definitely check him out and subscribe. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up. That's two words, not one in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.